to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 13th of September 2015, titled Real Faith. And the Bible reading is taken from John chapter 14, verses 1 to 3. It's Brother Daniel Alexandru. I was glad when they said unto me, Let's go to the house of the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord for the house of the Lord here in Birmingham. And uh, we surely want to see more people coming to the house of the Lord here. And not only Romanian, but uh, English people and uh, from all the nations that are under the sun here in Birmingham. Because there are lots of nations here. It's a multicultural city and I'm sure uh, God has a plan with each and every one of us. And uh, I'm thankful that God uh, worked uh, His way so uh, my family and I can be here with you. Uh, it was a long trip for us coming over from Romania to England. I drove my car. We finally made it. But uh, in the meantime, the GPS took us to a different location in Germany where I was supposed to preach. But, uh, and I ran out of petrol and uh, I got on a dirt road, the only one in the town I was going to. Everybody was like, how did you find it? I said, I don't know, but we found it. And we had somebody come and tow the car, and then we got some diesel for the car, and we pushed the car, and anyways, we got it started. But uh, after all this uh, adventurous trip, we are here, and <laughs> we praise the Lord for that. And uh, we know God has a plan, and uh, His plan is the best. And I um, was uh, sitting there thinking that um, um, we as Christians are very sensitive people. <laughs> and as preachers, we need to carefully deliver the Word of God. Because sometimes people think that we have something personally, and uh, we don't have anything personally it's the Lord that has something personally with each and every one of us because He wants to uh, save people and not only uh, get them saved, but uh, grow them in the Lord and mature them and uh, make them strong Christians. I had the opportunity to meet a Muslim here in this uh, uh, town, in this city, and he was, I was talking to him about... Um, I was trying to witness to him, and I said... Uh, you know that um, Mohammed, the prophet, said uh, something about Jesus, right? He goes, yes, I know. Jesus is a prophet. I said, praise the Lord. He is the prophet. And the, this Bible talks about Jesus, the prophet. And he, he goes, you know, we don't believe Jesus is God, you know. I said, yeah, I know that. But uh, do you believe uh, that Jesus is a prophet. He says, yes, I believe. I said, look what Jesus says in his book here. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Do you believe that? Do you believe that a prophet can lie? Oh, I can't, I can't believe a prophet can lie. Jesus is a prophet, so he won't lie. I said, good, that's good, because he said he is the way, the truth, and the life. Oh, he said, let me tell you about Prophet the Mohammed, Mohammed the prophet. He's the last prophet. He came here sent by God. And we don't believe God has a son. 
You believe Jesus is a prophet? Yes. <laughs> good. That's a good thing because a prophet doesn't lie, cannot lie. And he says here that he's the way. Do you believe that? Do you believe what Jesus said? He says, yes, I believe. I say, oh, good. You're on the right track. <laughs> and I say, okay, when God says something, he doesn't lie, right? No. He tells the truth, always. I said, in Matthew chapter 3, in my Bible here, says that when Jesus was baptized, God spoke. And he says that this is my beloved son, and I find my pleasure in him, I said, you see, God finds pleasure. He delights in Jesus. And he delights in whosoever follows Jesus. Because he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he goes on saying that he's not a religious people. And he's doing all kinds of things. And one of them is that he wakes up every morning at 4 o'clock. 4 o'clock in the morning. I said, Why? Because I need to say my prayers. Oh, you need to say your prayers at 4 o'clock in the morning. And I look around. And I know this is Sunday night. Evening service. And I don't see too many strong Christians. Praying in the house of the Lord. Is this a bad time to be in the house of the Lord? I mean, people wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning to say their prayers. And Christians, I said earlier, are very sensitive. You need to be very careful how you talk to people. Because they might take it personally. <laughs> See? I mean, they wake up. They're on their way to hell. We, we are saved. We know we are saved. We know we have everlasting life. And still, we cannot make sacrifices for the Lord. He made the greatest sacrifice. Dying on the cross for us. And we cannot make a... a a small sacrifice for him coming to the house of the Lord saying, this is my church. Yes, we have a very developed spirit of ownership in our life. And we say, this is my car. This is my house. This is my coat. This is my jacket. Don't touch them because they are mine. But when he comes to the house of the Lord, to the church of God, we don't say, this is my church. Because if we say it, we have to mean it. We have to prove it. We have to be there. We have to support it. We have to bring people into the house of the Lord, into the church. So we want to take it easy. Right? We don't want to be too much involved. Because the devil comes you know, to our ears and says, oh, take it easy. Don't be a fundamental don't go to the extreme. Don't take it to the extreme. Don't be a, an extremist Christian. Be just, you know, Christian. Just a Christian. That's what God wants us to be. Just yeah, a lukewarm Christian. No, I don't think so. He wants us to be strong Christians. How are we going to be strong Christians? When everything goes fine, right, well, smoothly, no way. About half of my life I spent under the communists in Romania. And under the communists, Christians were persecuted. Okay? Let's put it this way. There was no freedom. 
of worship. There was the intelligence, the security involved in every aspect of people's life in Romania. So even the pastors, most of them were corrupted. They wouldn't preach the word of God. They would give lists with the people coming to the church, those who were about to be baptized and other things like that. But there were strong Christians because they faced hardship. And they didn't want some people to dictate in their spiritual lives. They wanted to obey God. And they would come to church. I remember when I was a, a, a child and then a youngster, I would go to church almost every day. We had different activities. And I would go there. I would never say, it's too much. Lord, this is too much for me. But nowadays, I see people in my church in Romania, and I'm still in the process of handing the pastorate to another preacher. And Lord willing, next month, at the end of next month, I'll go back to Romania and finish this process. I see people coming to church only once a week. And sometimes if you ask them, why? What happened to you? What's wrong with you? They get upset with me. Oh, you know, I'm busy. I need to work, you know, for a living. I need to do this and that. And they, they you know, come up with all kinds of excuses. Excuses, excuses. And the Bible says that we are good at making excuses. Very good. We all know how to justify ourselves. When, we, when it comes to this body, with this, with this physical body, we feed it three times a week. Some people feed it more than three times a week, right? No, we eat it three times a day, not three times a week. Three times a day means 18, 21, right? 21 times a week, seven times three, 21. 21. And when it comes to the spiritual food, we feed it once a week. And say, it's enough. Please don't bother me inviting me to church on Sunday evening, on Wednesday, or Saturday, or other days. Because that's too much for me. What if you had a, a baby and you would feed him once a week? Hmm? What it would be like. Muscles. Very athletic. Active. No way. Almost dying. And if we look around in our Christianity, we don't see too many active Christians. Strong, mature. Fighting for the Lord. We see lots of them sleeping, taking their time. Taking their time. Is it time to take our time? The devil is not taking his time. The devil is very active. And he's going around roaring like a lion. Trying to find somebody to devour you see, Jesus in John 14, my message tonight is about real Christian faith. 
real Christian faith. Jesus says in John 14, verse 1, Let not your heart be troubled. Good advice. Amen? <laughs> because we are tra- uh, troubled every day. And we fear different things. Some people fear for their job. Others fear for their loved ones. Others fear for their health. And we can, you know, go on with the list. There are all kinds of fears. And they say that this century has a particular disease that is growing up so fast. And this disease is called distress. We have a family friend. They left our church few years ago to go to London, Luton, actually Luton, not London. And uh, this lady works in a place where they treat young people that are experiencing depression. So depression is the disease of the century. And why do people get into depression? Because of fear. What did Jesus say about fear? Do not fear. Do not fear. Let not your heart be troubled. When fear finds its way in the heart, depression clicks in. And people, she told us that, you know, people, they are under medication. But she said, make sure they will never, ever leave this depression with the medication they get there. They will be under the medication for the rest of their life. And those who can cure that disease, the word of God says, Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the life. Jesus is their life, and Jesus is our life. In John 3, 36, Jesus says, He that believeth on the Son has everlasting life. Some people fear for their life. And we know people are still looking for that medicine to give you everlasting life here on this earth. But Jesus already has that medicine. Salvation through his blood, his sacrifice, gave us and is still available for the people around us to give them everlasting life. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So we should not fear about tomorrow. When I was in the army, I did my military service in Romania for a year. And I had um, a colleague there. He stuck his knife and stuck it here under my throat. He said he knew I was a Christian. His parents were Christians. But he was, you know, pagan. And he wanted me to do something there, you know, with music. You know, I was in charge with the music of the unit. And he said, I'm going to kill you. 
And he, you know, just tucked, you know, his knife, a big knife, a military knife, you know, here in my throat. And later on, we met and we live in the same area. He got saved in the meantime. He came to me saying, do you remember when I wanted to kill you? I didn't know what I was doing. But praise the Lord, I didn't, because you're a good example for me. And your example, and God used other people in my life. I got saved. And now I'm telling others about Jesus, about the way, the truth, and the life. Should we fear for our lives? Our lives are in Jesus' hands. Who can pluck us out of his hand? Nobody. Oh, people can come and kill us. But only if God allows that, as we heard the preacher in the morning preaching about Job. Satan wants to do whatever, but he cannot do all he wants. Only what God allows him to do. So we can be confident in the word of God, in the words of Jesus. We have no reason to fear about our lives or about the future because look what Jesus says here in John 14. In my Father's house are many mansions. This is our future. This is the future of Christians. Not of Muslims or Buddhists or whatever. Uh, of Christians. Of those who accepted Christ. The same man I was talking to, a handyman, a man who came over to fix some... Uh, the landlord called him to our house, you know, so he can fix the kitchen, the bathroom, and other stuff and he was waiting for some you know guys to bring something and fix the door so I had half an hour to talk to him and TB asked me what were you talking about <laughs> we were talking politics but I made sure I brought Jesus into the subject into our discussion because Jesus should be our focus every day every moment and he says, <clears throat> I do all these prayers, I do good deeds every day, but when I go to sleep, and this is Muslim, when I go to sleep, I realize I still cannot do good deeds to go to heaven. So I say, so you are not sure if you go to heaven? No. I'm trying all these prayers, good deeds. And when I go to sleep, I realize I'm still a sinner. I'm still doing bad things. And I don't deserve to go to heaven. So that's why Jesus died for us. To take all our sin away and put in place his righteousness. This is our assurance. In my Father's house, Jesus says, okay? It's in red in my Bible. These are Jesus' words. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. Jesus never lies. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. Oh, this is grammar here. <laughs> if I go and prepare a place, I will come again. Grammar says that if after... In this sentence here, after if, comes to realization, 
the second one will automatically realize, come true. Did Jesus leave the earth? Yes. The first sentence happened. What's next? I will come again. This is our confidence. This is our hope. This is our faith. This is what faith is. Wait for what Jesus has told us to happen, to come to realization, to become true. And it's going to come true. Why? Because Jesus is not only a prophet. Jesus is God. And our God never lies. And this is what faith is all about. Believing the unseen things. That's what Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says. <coughs> Let's open our Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. <clears throat> and learn from Apostle Paul the definition of faith. Now faith is the substance, the essence of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Do we have this kind of faith? An evidence? An evidence of things not seen. Do we act like all these things Jesus has told us are real? Do, you act, do we act upon what Jesus said? Or is it, oh, let's wait, let's wait a moment. Maybe it's not so, maybe it's not 100% so, maybe it's a little bit different. 1% different. We have a detergent, it's a laundry detergent in Romania, and they say, I don't know if it's in here or not, Ariel, it cleans 99999 not 100%. Just 99.99 of all the dirt. Is this your faith? Is this my faith? 99.99? Why do, do we come to the house of the Lord? Why, why do we read the Bible? If we don't have a faith 100% in Jesus, why do we do all this? We might as well leave everything, burn the Bible and do our thing. If this is not true, if we don't believe 100% this is true... We must trash it. Dump it. Why play around? We play Christian. Christianity. Why? Jesus wants us to believe 100%. Doesn't matter what comes into our way. It's the valley of the death. Psalm 23 says, Yet though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. What evil can happen to me? I believe the only evil that can happen to this world is to go to hell and from there to the lake of fire. But I'm a saved person. My soul is in his hands. What evil can happen to me when my future is secured, is assured, is in his hands and nobody can pluck me out of his hands? And you know what I noticed? So many Christian 
groups today believe in a work-based salvation. I look at the Muslims and they believe the same. They work their own way to heaven. They base their religion on their good works. And finally they realize they are not good at all. They're still sinners. This is a religion from the devil. To base your salvation on your own good works. When the Bible says, there is no righteous, not one. All these millions and billions of people trying to work their own way to heaven. And the final result is eternal damnation. That's evil. Do we fear any evil? David says, I will fear no evil. Jesus says, don't fear. Do not be troubled. Where? In your heart. You see, Jesus starts out with, let not your heart be troubled. I mean, take this out of your heart. Okay, if we take something out of our heart, there will be a hole, a gap left behind. That's what God wants us, to have a gap here, an empty space? No. He wants this to go out and something else to come into our hearts. What's that? Believe in God, believe also in me. Faith. Faith. But you see, faith has all to do with Jesus. The religious that say, no, we don't believe in Jesus. We believe in God. But we don't believe in Jesus. What does Jesus say? He believe in God, believe also in me. So this faith, God wants us in our heart, has all to do with Jesus. It has all to do with Jesus. Faith in Jesus. In verse 6, Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father, but by me. So, there are no three ways that will lead to the top of the mountain where God is. There is only one way. I heard and I read about a preacher, a famous preacher in the United States saying that <clears throat> there is a way that leads to heaven for each religion. <laughs> Muslims have their own way. Buddhists have their own way. Catholics have their own way. Orthodox have their own way. And so forth. Where is this in the Bible? Where do you find this in the Bible? Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. People say, I have faith, so don't bother with my faith. I say, what faith? Jesus says, faith in me. It's the only type of faith we need to have. Faith in Jesus. Believe in me, Jesus says. Believe what? What he said. Let not your heart be troubled. But what? 
Believe in me. Believe what? In my father's house are many mansions. A mansion has a mansion is a big house. Amen? Not a small house. It's not a cottage. It's not a hut. It's something big. God has many mansions in his heaven. And if it were not so, I would have told you. And Jesus assures us, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, and he went, right? What are we waiting now to fulfill, to come to realization? The next sentence I will come again. What do the Christians wait for today? What are we waiting for today? I read the book, Waiting for Godot, it, it's called. Godot has something to do with God, you know, but this guy that wrote it said, no, no, it doesn't have anything to do with God. But it has, because they say, this guy, and they put it in act, you know, this, uh, this book. He waited there, he waited there, he waited there, and nobody came. And so when somebody came, he thought it was Godot. But he says, no, I come from Godot. So he waits, he waits, he waits. He gets older and older. Nothing happens. And that's what... The mentality of the world is today. We're waiting and waiting for nothing because there is no God to come. These words are just pure fair tales. Nothing but fair tales. Are we waiting for nothing? Are we waiting for a better job? Better pay? Some people in my church wait for retirement and they are anxious to get retired. To get the retirement, to get a pension and just sit around and get the money, enjoy the money. Are waiting for a certain day? A birthday? You know, when my birthday comes, there will be another year added to my age. <laughs> And when Andrea, my daughter, was 15, she wanted to be 18. When she passed 18, she says, whenever I ask her, how old are you, Andrea? She goes, I'm 15. But she's not 15 anymore. You know, when we're young, we are not be old or mature. And we, when we reach that level, we want to be younger again. But it's not possible. What are we waiting for? Jesus teaches us what to wait for. For his return. Are we waiting for his return? Because if we are, we should be doing his works. We should be concerned about his works. And the reality speaks louder And our works speak louder than our 
mouths. And when we want to see strong Christians, it's hard to see them. We look around and around. And before revolution, we used to see churches packed up. Now, after the revolution came, freedom came, something else came. A run for material things. A contest. I want to have what my neighbor has. I want to have more than my, what my neighbor has. I want to do this. I want to do that. And I work hard and more and more and trying to get this and get that. And I get too tired <clears throat> on Sunday morning that I cannot wake up to go to church. Or if I do wake up in the morning, I cannot get up at 6 o'clock <laughs> and be in church at 6.30. Because we are late people. We cannot make it on time. You know, we try to be a little bit later. I usually get to church a half, an, half an hour before. And my kids always say, why are you trying to be earlier? Because we need to open the doors. We need to prepare everything and so forth. Yeah, but, you know, you know people are not on time. You know, I said, yeah, I know people are not on time. But we should be earlier than those people who come on time. Because there are people that come and there are Christians that love the Lord. Not all the Christians say they love the Lord. Some mean it. There are others that just say it. So, you see, Jesus is coming again. But many Christians are too tired. To be ready for his coming back. And when he comes, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul says that there will be a rewarding time. Jesus will come to reward his faithful servants. But there will be unfaithful servants too. And he has many mentions if he were not so, he would have told us that where I am, there he may be also. You see, God loved us so much that he showed, he proved his love. We love him so much that we cannot prove our love to him. We don't want to prove. But I... I'm asking you, how these people around us are going to see God in us if we hide, if we don't prove we love God? He made us to be lights, right? That's what Jesus said. And no one takes the light and covers the light. But Jesus says, when somebody lights a candle, he lifts it up to light the whole room. Jesus lit us and he lifted us to light in this world. But instead of working with God, we work against God and we cover the light so nobody else can see the light. We are so exhausted with our day 
by day living, that we don't have the enough strength to uncover the light and let it shine. And as the song says, the devil tries to put out the light. We help him instead of fighting against him. Yes, we are lights, because once God turned the lights on, we are lights. But we can be either seen or covered, unseen. Jesus is coming back. What is this world seeing in you and me? Do they see light? A light, lighting, shining for his kingdom? Oh, his return. He's coming back. He's returning. And he has rewards with him. And that should encourage us to serve him. He's not a God that saved us and now he requires things from us without any reward. He wants to reward us. And he says, I will pay you for what you do. He has so many crowns. He's willing to offer them, but he will offer them only to those who do a work for the Lord. And the most important work for the Lord is the souls of the people. God has given us the opportunity to be involved in the saving of the souls. That's what Paul says. How can they believe if they don't hear? How would they hear without a preacher? Faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of God. Faith. Have faith in God. Have faith in me. How are these people around us going to have faith? Nobody tells them. Look what the Bible says. I know you believe in Allah. I know you believe in Buddha. But let me tell you what the Bible says. And let me tell you the assurance this Bible brings to your heart. You'll be able to go to sleep. Sure. 100%. Not 99.99. But 100% sure. Of your eternal life. With who? With Jesus who said, I will come again. He will come again. You want to be by yourself in heaven? I sure don't want to be alone. When God created Adam, he says, it's not good for him to be alone. I'll make him a helpmate. And once he made a helpmate, the peace Disappeared. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, let's use this for the glory of God. Let's talk, talk, talk about Jesus. Amen? Talk about, let's have a talk with Jesus every day. And let's have a talk about Jesus every day. Why? Because he's coming. Again, to reward you and me. You are saved. He wants to reward you.
if you are not saved, he wants to save you. He wants to use us. Let's be the instruments God wants us to be in his hands. So people can see and hear Jesus. The way, the truth, and the life. There's no other way. Sorry, but there's no other way. And we are here to tell people about the way. May the Lord help us to realize that time is short. We are running out of time. Jesus is coming again. We should be more concerned about the souls. Because the souls are eternal. But these material things are passing away. They are for a short time. And we should use all of them to reach more and more people. And Jesus is going to reward you and me. And let's pray. God will make us faithful servants. Lord, we thank you for the word of God you've given to us. Thank you, Lord, for the assurance of our salvation. You are the creator of this universe. You are the savior of our souls. Lord, without you, we are nothing, but with you, we are something. We are your sons, your children, and Lord, we have no words to thank you enough for what you've done for us. Lord, bless each and every one of us tonight. Help us to realize that time is short. We are running out of time. And we need to have all our priorities in order. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Help us to seek you first. Help us to realize that people around us, with their religion, will end up in hell. But if we stand up, speak up, if you give them the good news, some of them will have faith, will believe in Jesus, and will get saved, and go to heaven with us. Help us, Lord, to reach more people for you, to see more people saved, baptized, and serving you, and help us, Lord, to grow the Lord and mature and be strong Christians and be faithful to your church, dedicated to your ministry. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.